What's up everyone? Today we are talking injuries and more specifically injury identity and how to ditch it. This is a favoured topic for Phil and something that I've learned is uh, has, has been a critical role in what's allowed me to recover from some of the worst injuries you could imagine. Hey everyone, in case we haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister. I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym and co-creators of the UMS, the Unified Movement System, where we turn driven people into superhumans. And the way we get such astonishing results with our members is that we've created a program that has a balance between strength, flexibility, and fitness. It's very unique and very effective. If you want to know how we do it, grab one of the free blueprints, the strength blueprint, the flexibility blueprint, or the nutrition blueprint, giving away the key secrets to what it is that we do here. And also, if you're listening to the podcast or watching this on YouTube, jump over to Facebook and join our private Facebook group, UMS Movement Mastermind, where we go live to record these shows daily and answer your questions and provide free coaching as well. As always, well, not as always, but as most days, actually probably as always now that we're back at the gym, I'm joined by Phil White, our resident physiotherapist and all-round um, babyface. Yeah, such babyface at the moment. <laughs> oh my God. But uh, that's okay. It's so funny when we shave our beards, uh, how much younger we all look. I know. It's definitely one to keep in my sleeve later when I, you know, start yeah. to bit look a bit old and haggard. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, I mean, I've got, I've got gray hairs in my beard now, so whenever I shave, I'm like, whoa, I look really young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how you doing, Phil? Yeah, good. Good. It's got a bit of something in my eye, so if the people watching live on the UMS Movement Mastermind group see me winking at rat a lot, it's just uh, quietly struggling over here, so, but doing well. Keen yeah. to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a topic that's near and dear um, to, uh, to to Phil's heart, and we and we're going to go through a couple of uh, we've got a couple of discussion points here. We're going to be talking about um, being aware that the medical industry doesn't always understand what an injury identity is, and um, you know you you need to understand it yourself. We're also going to talk about uh, thinking positive uh, and avoiding uh, pigeonholing yourself uh, as a compromised person. And we're also going to talk about how to use uh, scans and imagery properly um, and, and the way that they're not always appropriate, which is something that I didn't understand until you helped me to get through it. Mm, yeah. yeah, big stuff. And, and I guess to start off with that first point, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's, it can be, I guess, a bit of a, a delicate one to um, navigate, but with the way that, uh, I guess, the medical, private medical systems are set up in Australia, for, for one, is that... You know, it, it does sort of sometimes pay for people to put these identities on you and make you feel like you're uh, maybe someone who, uh, you know, they, they want you to keep coming back and back and, uh, yeah. you know, keep paying them. So it, it is this funny one to sort of navigate and, and you've got to hope that, you know, everyone you're seeing is has got your best interest in mind. But I think it's just such an important um, thing to give patients the, the power in these discussions, know what questions to ask and understand um, how to go about it. So glad we're talking about it. Yeah, I mean, look, Phil, you even personally have told us your experience at some physiotherapy clinics that have, uh, you know, have trained you in a way to try and tell you you've got to get people coming back and, and coming back, which really, um, whether that it's their intention to do this or not, it, it does create an injury identity in people. And whether, whether certain um, professionals, practitioners, doctors, physiotherapists, um, whether they're intending to do this or not, it is definitely having this effect on some people because we see the bad side of it when people come into the gym with what we call an injury identity, which is 
you ask them, you know, let, let's go and do this, and they start to give you this whole reasons as to why they as an individual cannot do it because they're an injured person. And often it's from things that happened years and years and years ago. Um, and it's, it, it, it's a sad thing uh, as a personal trainer it's, it's quite a sad thing to deal with. It, it actually, it's made me in the past um, tell people not to go and see certain physiotherapists because I've had some really bad experiences where I've never met the physio, have no idea who they are, but what it did to our members' psychology, their belief in themselves was really, really bad. Yeah, just to be clear, not just physios. Like, yeah. I think there's, you know, chiros, doctors. They, oh, for you know, sure, for sure. I just say that, I guess, because yeah. I've, I've got members that have had more yeah. um, sure. experience with physios. Yeah, yeah, and not to say that, like, with, uh, you know, chronic injuries or, or, you know, that you should be doing absolutely every part of training. What we're talking about here is, um, yeah, bas basically scared of doing anything because that's yep. what we're really hoping to do here is teach you what you can, you know, do and yep. how you can shift your focus to keep kicking goals while, you know, you might be working on um, regressing some movements in, mm -hmm. in certain parts of your body. So, yeah, let's, um, let's frame this a little bit as well. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, an, an injury identity, what we're referring to is that when you start to identify yourself as an injured person. So, you know, you, people say, uh, hey, let's go and do this. And, and you say, no, 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 I can't do that because I'm an injured person. And I want to put some uh, perspective around my personal experience uh, because it, it wasn't until I'd spent so much time with Phil that I started to realize that maybe I was a little bit of an exception with my ability to recover and train around, uh, recover from and train around injuries. I, I, I didn't really realize that this was something that I was good at until Phil started pointing it out to me. Um, but I've had, these, these are just the notable injuries, okay? I have had so many injuries that weren't noted because they were, you know, just strains and tears or whatever that, that fixed themselves within several weeks or several months. But my notable injuries, when I was 20, um, I tore my Liz Frank ligament. It was a full tear, which is a ligament that holds the big toe onto the second toe um, right up at the apex of the foot. So when you look down at your foot, if you, um, it's the highest point of the foot. That was a tear that required surgery where I had to get a screw put in it. I was told by the surgeon that I would never be able to run, jump, do any of the things that I do now. That was when I was 20. I was also told I'd have arthritis by the time I was 30. I was told I had a 66% chance of developing arthritis. Um, I wouldn't even know that I had that injury now. The only thing I've got is probably a, a loss of about 5% of mobility in that ankle on that foot. So that was my first bad injury. The next bad injury I've had, I've had a spondylolisthesis in my back, which they couldn't tell me if it was a chronic injury or an acute injury because the symptoms came on acutely when I was in the army when I had a fall down a 10-foot ravine and I got x-rays and um, spondylolisthesis and a pars defect. Either way, it crippled me that's for a in long your time. Spine. That's Just in my spine, yeah, L4 and L5. That's a back injury. Um, it's caused me a lot of problem, a lot of chronic back pain that caused us to develop a program that was largely revolved for me around making that back pain better. Now I'm 42, so that was th when I was 32 that I got diagnosed with that. I'm 42 now and I feel better than I did 10 years ago by a long shot. Then I tore my medial meniscus on my right leg. That had to be rehabilitated as well. Um, and now I'm squatting uh, with 
zero pain, zero issues. The only thing that I have to really avoid now is internal rotation of the hip, which we've spoken about that before. I've had golfer's elbow and tennis elbow or medial and lateral epicondylitis or tendinopathy, whatever you want to call it, Phil's favorite subject. Um, they both stopped me from training for about nine months um, doing the things that I wanted to do. I shouldn't say stop me training, I should say stop me doing pulling exercises and certain exercises that aggravated that um, to the level I wanted to. And more recently, I've had a slap tear in my right shoulder and a torn supraspinatus and some fluid in the bursa. Um, which caused me again to reevaluate how I did things. Now, what I can tell you right now is that any one of those injuries, any one of them, I've seen them end people in the past. I've seen people get any one of those injuries and that was it for them. Their days of training the way that they wanted to were over and they developed what we call an injury identity, but not me. And the reason why I didn't is because I have a strong desire to succeed. And in my, this is my own belief, my desire to succeed outweighs my desire to want to be a victim. And I just, uh, I just made the decision. Every, I, I can put down my rehabilitation, my successful rehabilitation in all these injuries to one thing. I decided that I was going to rehabilitate myself. Yeah. And for those folks out there who have had you know, similar situations and, and that stopped them, like, you know, it may not be a lack of desire, but it is like when you have people telling you that you can't do certain things and that it's dangerous and, and you know, that you'll have arthritis by X, like it's totally understandable if health professionals are telling you this to believe them. Like, you know, I, I like to think that people should generally believe, you know, <laughs> mm. uh, that like medical fraternities because they do a lot of training to figure out what's, what's what. And, uh, you know, I really think you should take um, the judgment on board, but it's just when you, have situations like this where you know maybe you should be probing a few more questions maybe getting some uh second opinions but yeah it's i totally understand if it's not just a lack of desire but you know you're just believing what people say and you mm. go along with it so mm. yeah, yeah it's a, it's absolutely just, yeah and i of course i agree with phil i am by no means am i saying don't listen to the medical professionals because those yeah. are those are the people that know more than you and unless you're trained uh formally yourself then you are that's your best bet, you know. You, you do want to listen to the people that are educated and that understand how to deal with these things. But, it, but my personal belief is there needs to be a level of self-exploration. And a level of self-exploration, in my experience, it goes above and beyond what most people uh, seem to think is enough or is necessary. Like for me, when I've had these injuries, um, I, I would go and ask somebody as much as I could get. And, if, and, and then when I felt like I got to a point where I wasn't, I didn't like what they were telling me. I'd ask somebody else and then I'd ask somebody else. And these are, I'm talking physiotherapists, chiropractors, people that are far more educated than me. You know, people like you, Phil, um, people like Leroy, people like um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom down the road, Tom Cartwright. Um, and, and I would piece the, part, the, the, the pieces of the puzzle together to get an understanding of like, the, the injury that pops to mind is my meniscus tear, where what I was basically told was, this is what you shouldn't do in order to make sure that your meniscus has the best chance of repairing, which is hard to do because it gets very low circulation. Um, and then from understanding that, it was like, okay, well, if, if I can't do that, can I do this? And my answer was, yes, you can do that. Can I do this? Yes, you can do that. And so then I just created a plan around that. And, you know, eight months later, I was uh, squatting again. Yeah, and I think that's like uh, that part of that sort of thinking, trying to stay, stay positive about these things and, and figuring out what it is that you can do is such a key part of, um, yeah, getting past uh, injuries. And I think if you, like, you know, it may even be that you've kind of got to just 
like settle in and do some of the boring, um, you know, some of the more boring rehab stuff. But you can be, if you've got a knee injury, really focusing on uh, kicking goals in your upper body. You can be, you know, working on, uh, you know, some calisthenics upper body stuff. And you, mm. you can kind of have that positive, like, association with training while still doing, you know, just getting past the other injuries. So I think it's just, yeah, like keeping positive and, and trying to, and, and I guess it can kind of, by kicking goals in other areas of your body, it also just helps you stay away from developing that identity in the mm. first place because you still feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm mm. progressing and moving forward. Mm. And, that, and I think that's a, a really good transition for us to move into the second point for today, which is to, to keep a positive mindset um, and really, really believe believe in yourself and believe that you are going to to come out of uh, of this you know I, I really believe that the first step to success um, is belief it, it's believing that you're deserving of, of the success and, and that can be financial success career success relationship success just happiness and well-being in life but in this case recovering from this injury and getting back to a level that you can be happy with and and you know for me like I remember a really big thing for me was when I did my meniscus um, I was trying to force adaptation in areas of my body that I now don't care about. Back then, it was really important to me. I was trying to achieve certain things because I thought that was important to me. And then when I when I tore this meniscus, I was like, wow, I, I've done some real damage to my knee here and I need to reevaluate, is it worthwhile me pursuing this? And, and what I was pursuing was hip internal rotation, increasing that. And when I looked into it a bit and had a chat to you about it, I, I just decided, wow, this isn't worth it. It's, I'm not really going to get much out of it, and I've done a bad injury. And then the other thing, what what was a bigger blow for me was, you know, one of the big things I was told about preventing the meniscus from getting worse, at least in the early stages, was to avoid high impact. And back then, I was um, doing a lot of acrobatic movements as well. And I just made the decision. I decided. Um, so I actually just pulled out my MRI before it was in 2018. So it was two years ago that I did the injury. Um, and I just decided, look, you know what, I'm 40. Do I really need to be doing acrobatics at my age? Are there other ways that I can get fulfillment out of my training? And the answer for me was yes, there's so much that I could do. And, and just to be clear, like, if you do have an injury like that and it takes a little time to heal, like, there's no reason why you can't bring back in higher impact stuff. It's just got to be done in a gradual sort of way. But yeah, when you mm, were sort of thinking absolutely. about what excites you and makes you happy, then mm. you know, maybe that, that was less of an yeah. important thing. Well, I'm you. running now. Um, yeah. And that's what I that's my high impact because, yeah. I, because I believe that it, it is really important to try yeah. to include some high impact High impact training. is so key for yeah, giving you a stimulus for your bones yeah. to stay uh, dense yeah. and, and 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 even for you, like your cartilage with the right amount of impact is like that's what helps yeah. it sort of regenerate, yeah. grow, and everything. So. Yeah. So yeah, I think that it, that's that's a really important point for people to to really wrap their head around that that we like to talk about, which is to think positive and avoid um avoid pigeonholing yourself. And Phil, this and this last point well, is really just on that one, just for, for my own personal experience, because I think like you know it's part of me becoming a physio was by basically being like the injured guy whenever I played. Uh, you know, I played high level um, ultimate frisbee was my sport. If you didn't don't know what that is, I'd recommend looking on YouTube after this. But um, yeah, I was kind of always that guy, and, and it was kind of it was one of those things where people put the injury identity on me by always like being like, oh, you know, what have you done this time? Blah blah. blah. Like, and it, it really got to me after a while where I was just like, you know, like I didn't want it, but people were putting it on me, and that's mm, what mm. I think. You know, the ways that you can kind of be resistant to that is by staying positive in, ha in what you're doing. So an example is when I was uh, 18, I was the 
captain of the Australian team and I was sort of the if in, with ultimate frisbee you have like a kind of quarterback position which is the one who does the big throws and you know the kind of big plays and that was my position on the team and then I broke my right index finger which is basically like your throwing finger so uh, going into this world championships where I was captaining the team in like three months away I suddenly had a broken finger and couldn't do the one thing on the field that I was meant to do and it really you know got to me as a like because everyone was had I totally just you know that was kind of my identity on the team was now replaced with an injured identity so what I did was just learn to throw left-handed and I practiced and practiced and practiced and I got to the point where I was um I could throw further on my left hand than anyone else on the team and then my finger came good I had to like strap it to the other one uh by the time the tournament came around but from learning how to throw with my non-dominant hand I'd actually <coughs> had this like kind of it, you get this great sort of brain rewiring of learning how to do skills where you, mm. it, you know by doing it on a non-dominant hand you really get this great transfer and so I came back and I was even better at throwing my right hand mm. and then that made me like a fairly handy sort of player and I was able to you know like get through that tournament and, and, and do really well and now I could do, yeah. <laughs> do both, both hands, hands. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of that like by really trying to like finding something else to be positive about while you're in that sort of injured place where you can be progressing on something else you know really kicking goals it, it can help you like not only from yourself but from other people kind of not being like that injured guy if you you know yeah if you're yeah. able to keep Ab progressing so. absolutely and i mean I, i've got this similar experiences you know um when i when i have had some of these really bad injuries if you come into the gym and watch me train, you wouldn't know that I'm injured because I still train for hours every day and I'm still training at a, at a high level. But I've, I, because I know, because I have such a rich exercise vocabulary and I know how to avoid making certain issues worse because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional trainer, um, I'm able to quickly formulate a program and a plan that allows me to work around my injuries. And I've had the similar stories where I've gone, okay, well, you know, my shoulder's stuffed right now and all I can do are these dicky little rehab exercises for the next six months. So let's think of what I can do. And like, well, I can still work my grip. I can work my forearms. I can do my elbows. So let's, let's double down on that. And I can still do everything with my lower body and my spine. So let's focus on spine. Let's focus on lower body, on flexibility, on this. And I've had mass, some of my biggest... I wouldn't even say some of my biggest, all of my biggest breakthroughs in my training, every single one of them began with an injury. It was when I injured myself that it gave me the insight to say, wow, there's something going on in my body or in the way that I'm training that caused this injury. Let's try to get inside that, analyze it and make changes. And on the back end of that, the biggest breakthroughs, the biggest strength development breakthroughs, the biggest flexibility breakthroughs, the biggest understanding of how to put a good program and a good workout together, it all came from those injuries. And I've personally, my experience, when I don't have those injuries, I, I, don't, I don't get challenged. I don't, I don't think outside the box. I just sort of keep going along with business as usual, you know? So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, in having an injury like that. And the last point, Phil, this is definitely something that I'm not going to be have a lot to say on here this is this is really your jam which, which is you know how to how to use scans and imagery effectively and, and how to not uh you know w when to take it with a grain of salt and i think for me definitely before you told me this this was something that i thought okay there's a scan that scan's going to tell me everything i need to know or when i got to the point where i was like all right i'm going to go and get an mri now that mri that was it that was going to tell me exactly what i want and, and and that's not always true is that right phil yeah it's a really interesting one that's like kind of 
I guess the understanding and the use of, of scans has really changed over the, you know, the last, like particularly in the last sort of 10 years as, you know, more and more research kind of goes into their efficacy and usefulness. And it might seem quite um, sort of strange because, it, it, you know, you feel like if you look at a thing and you see like a change there that shouldn't be there, that, um, you know, that's going to be the thing that's wrong and that's the source of the pain. But if anyone has listened to, you know, me discuss pain science at length before, um, yeah, pain is 100% an output of your brain. And it's very much to do with the um, information that you get from your peripheral system. So your arms, legs, the rest of your body, you know, um, your torso. And then that is then uh, processed as a pain output. So it's not just like if you have a certain amount of damage in one place, you're going to get exactly that amount of pain experience. So the reason why that's important is that um, often when you, like if you um, get a scan, if you have had like a, you know, maybe a slight disc bulge for um, it that, that is shown in your, your scan, um, it's not, you kind of don't know necessarily if that was um, you know, the thing that started causing your back pain two weeks ago, or if it's quite likely that disc bulge could have been there for the last three years and you had no idea it's there. Or, um, you know, an example would be, um, you know, if you uh, are, like have an acute injury and then you say with your shoulder, for example, um, you know, maybe like that slap tear could have actually been there for a long time. It could have kind of on like chronically but you know, it was that supraspinatus and the, the bursa that's mm. now actually the, the source of your pain. So mm. it's kind of one of those things where, because we don't have like a 360 degree, like, sorry, a constant sort of timeline of, um, you know, when you have a certain thing, then it, it, it's not always useful. And sometimes you can be really like hell bent on, uh, you know, treating that certain thing or they, you know, they use imaging to, um, you know, direct surgery and they go and, uh, you know, repair a thing that was seen as damaged in the imagery but the person's pain doesn't change because that's not actually the overall driver of pain. And, you know, the driver of pain, like, is a whole lot more complex than just, um, you know, here's a thing that is seen on the imagery. So, and Yanni's coming here on the comment saying that imagery can contribute to injury identity, and I totally agree with that, where, um, you know, like, even just with, so, like, your slap tear example, like, slap tear, um, bursa, and supraspinatus, like, that's something that you can, like, their words that you wouldn't have really known before you mm. had this, but now yeah. you can rattle them off, like, yeah. and you because it's so sort of ingrained, like, oh, this is in me. This is what's mm. like causing me, you know, my change in training. This is like the, these words that are a bit kind of mysterious and a bit like <laughs> mm. scary, like become really ingrained in your brain because you're like, oh shit, that's what's going on in there. Which, mm -hmm. you know, um, like the bursa always has fluid in it. So mm. like these things that you kind of you see written down in a report suddenly become really intimidating, really like threatening. And if we remember what causes pain, it's our perceived threat of the um, actual, like it's your body's perceived threat of the stimulus. So if you kind of have this image, which uh, imaging report that says all this stuff and you've seen that, you know, you've got changes in the level of cartilage in your knee or the space between the vertebrae and your spine, like that suddenly becomes really threatening, even though it's quite a regular like part of, mm -hmm. of aging. Mm -hmm. So that's just how it can really start to um, yeah contribute to your identity. Yeah, for sure. So um, you're quite a big believer that imagery is, is like a last resort. Is that correct? not necessarily? Like there are really there are very appropriate times to use it. So when I um, every time I see someone as a as a physio patient, I always go through um, some screening questions, which basically are trying to pick up whether or not there's sort of like um, certain conditions that may be um, going on. So. If someone has cancer, like, and has a tumor in their spine, then 
imaging is very useful very early to identify that and um, you know and get appropriate treatment. But um, I'm not going to send everyone for off for imaging to see if they might have that. Mm. What we get that information from is by asking certain questions about um, you know pain at night, night sweats, losing lots like uncontrollable weight loss, like all the history. So all these other questions that when you go see a health professional, you might be a bit frustrated that you spend half an hour chatting, but it's really important to understand all this stuff so that we know when to go and, um, you know, use imaging appropriately. So mm -hmm. by all means, I'm not saying that imaging is, you know, terrible, but if you don't have a good reason to do it, it often is not that useful. It should be generally more confirmatory rather than investigative. Mm. So Lee Clements has said some people used to try to project their aging injuries slash limitations onto me. They've learned not to include me now. That's awesome, Lee. I can, um, I can relate to that as well. I've had people look at some of the things I do and say to me, whoa, watch out with that, man. You'll hurt yourself. And I look at them and think, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You might hurt yourself if you do it. But I've worked for decades to be able to do this effortlessly. Um, it's really funny. Same thing. Sometimes we get... Um, we get people ragging on some of our posts that we do on social media. Um, the biggest one, without a doubt, the one that gets the most flack is whenever I post anything with loaded forward flexion, like a Jefferson curl, um, which is a controversial topic. There are experts that are way more educated and have far more credibility than I do that will say that loaded flexion is really, really bad. Stuart McGill has been, as far to my knowledge, somebody that's been quite vocal about that. Um, yet, and people say, how could you post something like that? Like people could, you know, really do themselves serious harm if they try that movement. And well, yeah, they could. But I say my response is, so in the same vein, should a gymnast not post a photo of them doing a handstand? Because a handstand, if the wrong person tried to do that, they can seriously mess themselves up. But when you post something like this, you're posting, you're trying to inspire people. You're trying to show people what could be done. You're trying to show people what it is that you do. You're not saying, hey, anybody go and try this. It's going to be good for you. And, um, and I find it like Lee, you know, in the vein of what you've said, I, I can totally relate. I, it's so funny how some people try to project what's going on in them onto you and onto other people. And yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate way to be, um, to be approaching things, I think. Yeah, I think just to kind of sum this all up, like I really love um, the term anti-fragile, which is one that uh, Nassim Taleb, if you have a look at, he's written a book called Anti-Fragile, which is basically the idea of, um, you know, the opposite of, of, of fragile, people often kind of think of as like robust. So if you had a, a, a glass that you dropped on the floor, it would shatter. But if you had, you know, a um, like a dense plastic one, it won't shatter. So that seems like it's the opposites there. But what anti-fragile is, is actually when you, give it the right like amount of damage that it actually makes it stronger so um and that's how the human body works if you give it the right amount of stress then it it, it won't break it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger but it's just about finding um you know that right entry point and that right sort of um place to start when you've got an injury and then if you give it the right amount of stress you'll keep uh, getting stronger and it doesn't matter you know yep. how old you are like you're, you're doing stuff that much younger people couldn't do because you've conditioned your body yep so yep absolutely absolutely so um, yeah, I hope, hope we gave you guys some insight there into the, uh, the concept of injury identity and um, you know freeing yourself from it. We're going to be talking about um, injury rehabilitation this uh, and, and you know um, 
Uh, well, well, actually, what we're going to be talking about tomorrow is the concept of, of calling things regressions, not rehab, which is, again, it's another concept that Phil introduced us to. Um, so tune in tomorrow if you want to know what we mean by that, because this is a really, really big part of not adopting this injury identity is to look at your training as a just a regressed way of training rather than you're in a rehabilitation phase of training. Um, and it's something that, again, is, is near and dear to Phil's heart and is a really, really valuable concept to understand. So thanks for tuning in today, everyone. Thanks for the engagement. And we will see you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.